Hello and welcome to Progslog, where we go to 2008 week by week, issue by issue. I'm Michael. I'm Craig. And this is um, our first? No, it's our second this one is back. It feels like oh, the first, because it's been a wee while. It has been a wee while because I have had COVID. You've been down with the sickness. Yeah. So I should probably get that announced at the start of the episode because there'll be quite a lot of this where I'll be like, I don't really remember what happens here because I read this issue while I was off my face on the COVID. I genuinely thought you were going to be like saying, if you've if anybody's listened to the podcast, probably get yourself it's checked because, okay. yeah. you know. It spreads through microwaves or whatever that conspiracy theory was. <laughs> was that a real thing? Uh, they, they, well, not a real thing, but like a real conspiracy. There were people saying it was caused by 5G towers oh, or something. Oh, of course, yeah. But we're not talking about conspiracy theories or COVID-19. We are Yet. talking about 2080, Prog number 2364. 2634 is a very pleasing arrangement of numbers. 2364. Uh, well then, that's not as pleasing. Shall we talk about the cover? Do we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about the cover because Thistlebone's back. Thistlebone is back and Thistlebone gets the cover. They're doing what I often advocate for, which is giving the new thing the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some thoughts about this cover. It is a white background with a big scary monster serving as the background for most of it. Uh, it's like a sort of like monstrous nature spirity thing. And there are various characters arranged in front of it, one of whom I think looks just like Don French. Don French. This character here in the red dress. See, somebody's in, mother. In that picture, like old man Don French. Oh yeah, yeah, like it. current Don French. Current Don French. When you see her in the comic, she reminds me of someone else that I can't place. For mm. So I'm not going to be very helpful. No. Just be like, oh, I recognise that that's reference. Not, that's not good content. Really. I, I recognise that the person that the artist has used for reference, but I can't place the person. This cover. So I've got big thoughts about it. Uh-huh. This album cover. It's a painted cover. The art's a big thing about Thistlebone. Yeah, yeah. The art in Thistlebone generally looks pretty lovely, and this cover also looks really lovely. Thistlebone, I think for the last few times it's had a cover, has been like a white background. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's very striking. Anytime 2080 does have a white background, though, it does make me think that like they don't have the paper stock to be doing white. Because like, every time you get it from the shop, it's still it's almost immediately grubby. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's come grubby in the box that it was shipped in. And you like, think so? Yeah, you can see, you can't tell on normal covers, but see when there's like a full white background. It's not glossy paper. No, so. I wouldn't want it to be either. I'm not advocating for them to change paper. It's just like, I mean, maybe that's the vibe you want. You want it to be worn and like grubby. Grubby doesn't sound like a good vibe. No. I'm, I'm trying to pitch you the grubby vibe and it doesn't. <laughs> but like, that's the thought I see every time I see the white cover. I mean, getting into that more, I think that comics should be grubbier if we're using that yeah, word than we are. I don't know why I've like honed in on grubby as the Yeah, I'm I'm a big big fan of comics being like made cheaply. Mm-hmm. So that like I mean two thousand eighty kind of does do this because it's not the highest quality paper it could possibly be printed on. Mm-hmm. And that does mean that it's cheaper to actually make. Um and but I, I think you could go even further than that. You'd like I think we should be seeing more black and white comics than we are. I think we should be seeing more limited colour comics than that's we are. a whole debate that we could do a whole podcast on yeah. because people are like do black and white comics and then other people, people in the business, mm. in the industry, are like black and white comics don't sell. I mean, they, that may also be true. That may so. be true, but then we but, all we all just Will Smith point to at, manga, to manga, and it's which like, is all black and white. Yeah, exactly. So, however, let's see if there's a colorist talked about and who did the art for this cover because I've just remembered I haven't told you who did the cover. It's the Thistlebone guy. It is Simon Davis. Simon Davis, and it's not broken down by who did the colors and who did the art because it's all Simon Davis. Yeah, it's, it's his, his painter, his painterly style. I like it. I like the the woman who is like. She's very modern. Did we talk about? We didn't talk about it because this is this is the first time we're talking about the, it. The, yes, this is the start of the podcast. Yeah, but we have we talked about how she's a very modern 
cult victim or like a very modern 18th century victim of witch hanging because she's showing her midriff. This is not Don French. Uh, this is there are two other female figures on the cover. There is one who seemingly has been hanged because mm. they're lying on the ground with a noose around their neck. And there is a woman who has bloody hands and those hands are tied up at her waist. So the one that's been hung yeah. doesn't seem like she's been hung. She just seems like she's a bit sleepy. Like, it's a big mood. Like, she, she's just sort of reclining back, being like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me being hung, you know. And she's got her midriff out, which is a very modern, fashionable thing. I also think that perhaps this is, like, very old underwear, maybe? For sure, like, I, it might be historically accurate, yeah. but it's looped round again to be fashionable. I, I guess. I just think, I like her energy. I like her, like, I've been hung, what of it? You know, like, it's a thing that's happened. Or, uh, oh Christ, I'm going to be hang- hanged now. Yeah, oh, <sighs> another hanging. Can't be bothered with this. There's a big demony creature in the background that you were telling me is Thistlebone. I think that's Thistlebone. I had forgotten that Thistlebone was, like, a guy. I am not 100... This is a, a helium-like yeah. situation mm-hmm. where I've read some Thistlebone before. Not sure I can tell you anything about the it. The thing is, I read the second run of Helium, mm-hmm. which was very much dealing with the... Af- not, I said Helium. You did say Helium. I had read the second... I mean, I have, I have read the second run of Helium. Yeah. It's weird that I've only read the second one, because there's <laughs> only been two. I've read the second run of Thistlebone, which was very much dealing with the aftermath of Thistlebone 1. And, spoilers, this one will be dealing with the aftermath of Th- Thistlebone 2. It's very hard to say. We're Scottish, Thistle. and I'm Thistle. It's the T's, the Y's, the H's. Very ironic that Thistle would be hard to say. I know, Scottish right? People. Maybe it's... Maybe it's like some dark secret I'm carrying where like I can't actually... We need to move on from no! this cover, but... He looks like do... Swamp Thing! <laughs> he looks like Swamp Thing, but he's got um, big tendrily spider things coming out of his back, like the Iron Spider. He does have like uh, tendrils that have got leaves growing out of them, like, like vines of ivy. There's like a crucifix that's been held up by another guy, but it looks like Thistlebone, the guy. Thistlebone might not be a guy, but I'm, tr- I'm going to treat him like he's a guy that walks about. The monster in the background, yeah, yeah the, the, the cross is positioned in such a way where it could be worn around. He's um, just a good Christian, you know. People are mean to him. They're like, oh, you're some, like, demonic cult guy. And he's like, no, I'm just an Christian. The thing I was going to bring up before we move on is what do you think of this 1970s man? He kind of looks like what if Prince was white. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Like, not fully, but, you know. He's got those big tinted sunglasses. He's got a fag hanging out of his mouth. He looks like to someone who was big into Prince mm. and happens to be white. Yeah. Like like a Prince fan. Yeah. For sure. And uh, he doesn't appear in, in the comic. Presumably he's going to be the director of the film that gets brought up oh, or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. I forgot that it was film-based. It's it been a week since based. I read this issue. Yeah. That will become apparent. Let's crack on. Yes. Into the nerve center we go, and uh, Tharg starts off with another strong opening because he goes uh, Borag Tharger, let's Thung, not Tharg. I wouldn't put it past Tharg to have Tharg be one of the yeah. things that he says about himself. I am the mighty Tharg, all powerful alien super being at the helm of this sci fi anthology. I believe it, I utterly believe in the kayfabe. Yeah, sadly, what he's talking about for most of it is, uh, is death. Because, uh, sadly, the uh, long-running 2080 contributor, Ian Gibson, has died. Yes. And um, uh, I can't remember, is this the one where... Yeah, this was the one where it was a long-running battle with cancer. Was this where he like, kind of announced on online that... I, this is the well. thing, we might be like getting our wires crossed because there has been two... Sadly, there have been, yeah. droids that have died in the last... Tharg has not heard of... 
John Burns dying yet, because mm-hmm. as Tharg t- t- talks about in this column, um, like this is news that's been delayed a bit because this was written before Christmas. Yeah, the the Christmas delay. And uh, so he's saying like the readers will already know this, but Ian Gibson sadly has passed on. Um, but the you know spoilers the next one he's going to be talking about another death which is John Burns. It's so, pretty bleak. Sad times. Hopefully there'll not be any more. So, yeah. <laughs> we don't really have much to say because like we've not really. I don't know if you've read much of like Ian Gibson stuff. Or... Not to my knowledge. Uh, he he's credited here as being the uh, the creator or co-creator of the Ballad of Halo Jones. Yeah, with Moore, which is uh, I think generally considered his big work. That is that is the image that is in the uh, the obituary. Yeah. Uh, and they've got like a little in memory section at the bottom where you know they'll put whatever they have to fill pages, yeah. not pages space. Usually that's where they put the ad for what's coming next, yeah. or a droid life. So you know, quite sad. I don't necessarily know very much about Ian Gibson myself, but um, hopefully we'll find out more about him if we if we commit to doing Prog Slog Classic. Yeah, and we just barrel through all those. They still haven't opened most of those boxes. I mean, I'm up for it. But yeah, sorry to sorry for everybody's loss in regards to Ian Gibson. Yeah, it's a weird one. I don't really know how we were going to tackle obituaries because like we're very silly people and very like just I don't. I was, my mind drifted. Frivolous. I was going to say we talk about Mr. Blobby a lot, <laughs> but um, I guess we don't. In my mind, we talk about Mr. Blobby a lot. I mean, we talk about Mr. Blobby sometimes. That's, sometimes we that's talk probably about... more often than a lot of people. That's the yeah. We we probably talk about Mr. Blobby more than most people in the world talk about Mr. Blobby. In other, the world, for sure. Other than those people that make the Mr. Blobby zine, those people yep. are, those people are hardcore, and I would love to meet them. I would imagine that there are very few people in, say, Kenya that talk about Mr. Blobby at all. I almost snorted there. That was very funny. But my point is, Thank you. that's the tone. That's where we're at. We're, we're Mr. Blobby enthusiasts making a co- making a podcast about comics, and then when a real fucking thing we're like presented that, with death, we're presented with death, and we're just like, "This isn't Mr. Blobby." <laughs> I mean, Mr. Blobby is weirdly quite death presenting, but still, I now feel the need to apologise to the Gibson family. No, like we're um, we're trying to convey that we're not the right people to go like to to talk in depth about this because we've not read any much of his work. No, I don't think I have, and we're Mr. Blobby enthusiasts. I've seen, I mean, I've seen some of the artwork that's published here and in the next issue mm. because of his death. His art looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he was clearly a very talented man, and it is mm. an extremely sad loss. The thing is, I'm just trying to prep us for when we have to talk about the Order's artist having died. Right. And famously, we've not been very kind to the Order. Uh, I would probably, maybe this is somewhat... Because of the tragic death mm. recently, but uh, I, I would I would very much defend the artwork of the order. Oh yeah, for sure. The problem with the order was certainly not the artwork. Yeah. The artwork was great, but we just kind of lost the thread. Yes. Let's talk about other things. Let's talk about the damage report. Yes. So, um, what have we got here? So Tharg's computer's gone wrong. Oh, it's been hacked. There's a hacking. Well, it's potentially a hacking. There's a line of code that uh, Tharg only noticed because. Uh, it would not be noticeable if you were not a Beetlejuicy and genius with a verdant brain, mm-hmm. or was it a giant verdant brain, something like that. Uh, but there is a line of code that has been discovered on Tharg's personal computer mm. that is uh, self-replicating. Yep. 
It, it very much puts me in mind of that episode of Power Rangers where they click on a website and like get like a virus and then it all goes wrong. And there's probably like a mo- I don't remember if that scene involves like a monster having done that and then they had to go fight a monster. But... No, I think that was very much a non sequitur. Yeah. I, I did rewatch the original series of Power Rangers some years ago and uh, I remember that scene. Because it, it was, it's a very visceral scene. It was the most ridiculous 90s not understanding how computers work scene. Exactly. Right. Of anything. I'm glad you said it like that because that's the the, the the tone I had in mind whilst reading this damage report was like, because it's like, it's self-replic, a line mm. of code that's set. It's very much in that sort of 90s hackers, um, what's that Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock? Is that Sandra Bullock is a person? Sandra Bullock. That's not her name, right? Sandra Bullock's? No, it's Sandra Bullock. It's not Sandra Bullock. If you were going to finish that question and be like, what's that Sandra Bullock film? I would have said Speed 2. Speed 2, but like, I feel, I feel like she's in a film called... Also, also Speed, but... The Net. Okay. It's very much like the net level of like it, it. This is a plot about a cyber hacking of that caliber, right? But now I'm very much held up with Sandra Bullock, like Bullock from Harvey Bullock. Yeah, her name's not Bullock. I believe it's Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yes, that doesn't sound right. I've said we've talked about Speed Two at length, and we've <laughs> talked about her, and it's not Bullock. Sa- is it Bullocks? Uh, no, I think it's San- Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Like a young bull, a bullock. A, a young bull is called a bullock. I believe so, yeah. I used to live next to a farm, oh. so like, I, the, there was a lot of bullocks about And that then bullocks and bollocks and bullocks. Is, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, this this is really... This now sounds like I'm, I'm like leading up the garden path about something yeah, stupid, but I, I think, that's, can be in I think that's true. Hmm. Well, I'll have to go do some research immediately after this podcast, but yeah. Let's talk about comics. We've got Judge Dredd, A Better World Part 1 And uh, the script is by Rob Williams and Arthur Wyatt The art is by Henry Flint And the letters is by Annie Parkhouse Parkhouse. Annie Parkhouse appears to be back in force Back in force There was a long dearth of Parkhouse Mm -hmm. And now now we we seem to be living in Parkhouse times once again When Parkhouse wasn't on screen We were asking Where is Parkhouse? Where is Parkhouse? And she's back for a lot of Thought bubbles and speech bubbles and text yeah. bubbles and also panels. A lot of panels in this. Uh, this there, there's a lot going on. This first page has one, two, three, four, five. So I'm going to guess sixteen. Fifteen panels. Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, I was close. Because it's there's five in every row and there's yeah. three rows. Well, no. See, look, this one's one big one. Oh, fourteen. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. I wanted to say that 16, was that, that was quick maths, mm-hmm. and as with often as is often the case, the quick maths is not good maths. Before we get into the plot, I always want. 2080 strips, two kind strips to be dense. Yep. So when I see a page like this, very excited. Like I, I like multiple panels per page. I think this is a sweet a sweet spot of them being big, but like small. You know, they're not splash pages. They're, they're small panels, but they're not too small. Um, no, you can you can get use, usable information out of every panel. The only thing is, there's a lot of this where like the first three panels are the not the same image. I, but I like, think that two of those first first three panels could be dropped. They're just there to fit the scheme. It's like an, it's an art style yeah. kind of thing, and like that's fine. Um, I did read this quite quickly, and I was shocked by that because I was excited by the prospect of it being dense. And also, we should talk, because this is, you have told me at least, mm-hmm. with your being plugged into the plugged internet culture. D- jacked directly into the you, hive mind. You have told me that this is a big deal story. Yes, they've been, they've been trailing this for a while at yeah. least. I'd be shocked if like this is only like three thingies and then it stops, because like, they've been bigging it up for ages. As a, I don't know if they've used the words mega epic, because they always talk about things being mega epics, but... Mm-hmm. 
they have been trailing this for a while. There's been a lot of um, the, the writer has been posting about it. I see, I see ads for this constantly. So it's been a few, I think since before Christmas, basically, they've been bigging it up. And the plot of this, I don't know if we want to just get into it, but like the plot of this... We probably been, want to get into it a bit, yeah. The plot, it's a, it's a defund the judges story, yeah. which has been talked about before. I don't think it's been talked about in the comic necessarily. We've seen the accountant judge before. Yes. And I don't know if they've... There is history to go over with this story. The accountant judge, I don't know if the accountant judge has like turned up and said, yay, defund the judges before. But like that plan has been bubbling in the background and we've talked about it off because this was before we did the podcast. Yeah. When the Atlantis storyline was happening, I think that was bubbling in the background. And we're like, oh, defund the judges. That could be a fun thing. This is a sequel story to that story because there is a judge called Judge Maitland who I think is like an accountancy judge. She's an accountant judge. Yeah. Uh, and she was going to be... She was the target of an assassination plot when they went to Atlantis. And a whole lot of stuff has spilled out since that whole attack on Atlantis. Atlantis being the service station between Britsit and Mega City yeah. 1. Yeah. Under the sea. Under the sea. And it got flooded, and I believe it's it's gone now. There was there was a, 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 a subsequent war or battle fought over it. Yeah, there was a lot of um, Britset tensions about yeah. that, wasn't there? But uh, Maitland was in that story. They wanted to kill her, and um, one of the assassins that was sent to try and kill her is also in this story. Mm. So there's they, they, this all springs out of that. Also, later on, there was another follow up. So there's been like four different follow up stories since <laughs> then from that initial. Like um, I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where I um, think all Q, of them have been really good. Q Guanon was Q Guanon, and um, like there was also a pair of like uh, what's the term conjoined twins that were both oh, assassins, yeah, yeah. and uh, there was like a sniper guy. The sniper guy might have been the one that got away eventually. I can't really. Didn't remember. the sniper didn't try to like shoot his legs off or something? Someone's legs got oh, shot. Also, I think that's where the uh, the Russian battle droids that ended up getting yes. really into mafia films yes. came from. Oh, did the Caesar? He got reprogrammed, didn't yeah. he? I forgot about that. That was think, great. So I think there's like five different stories that have spun off from that one event, mm. which is pretty cool. I liked everything involved with that, really. Yeah. Although I think one of them was that there was an alien like bounty hunter that was involved. Yep. That was the one I didn't like, because that was he had to go off-world. Like Dread had to go to like a space alien planet, if you remember, to get that one. Uh, was that where that went? Yeah. yeah. I do remember they had to deal with the... Uh, there's a particular name for that type of alien. but It's like a, it's like a chewy. It looks very Chewbacca, yeah. yeah. But at some point, Maitland put a proposal before the judging council that they should not be doing policing the way that they have been, mm. and they should be putting a lot more investment into things like education and public services. And uh, we both remember that story in particular because they, they had this whole thing where it was bigged up that it was like the chief judge and ruling council and also Judge Dredd, yeah. who has no official position that would qualify him to be on this council. Yeah. But he's he's going to tell them what to do, and then they're going to do it, because it is Judge Dredd. Is it the Council of Five? I forget the number, but like there is this like elite fascist council, this, shad- this like XCOM shadow conclave of like the, the chief judges and mm. the chief judge, and there is Judge Dredd. Yeah. That's very funny. This comic is about that as well. Yeah. Like, this comic is... I was, we'll get into very the poll very directly... That concept. Defund the police. Um, we've, we've talked about this because like, that's a thing that's been popping up in comics. They, yeah. They've done... I don't know if Batman is still defunded, but like there, there was a stretch there where Batman was defunded. And I haven't read any of those comics, and I'm not qualified to talk about them. But that's and therefore it. I won't. And therefore I won't. Full stop. Full stop. I mean, like for any credibility I should. But like, that does seem fine. That seems like a story you can do. Defund the judges. That's definitely a story you should do. Yep. That's definitely a short... But you've got a whole thing where I keep... I keep, men- I kept mentioning this story was coming up to you. And you kept saying, 
that seems like five years too late. I, I, the, the phrase that I've been using is that is they have got their finger on the pulse of four years ago. Yes. And because there was an awful lot of uh, talk about defunding the police in 2020. 2020, yeah. And, and rightly so, in my opinion. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, like, it didn't really happen. We should, like, qualify. See if you're, like, a shithead listening to this, and you're like, oh, lefty, like, defund the, the judges, that's such a le-. Like, I don't know what comic you've been reading <laughs> for the last 45 to 6 years, but um, the, the idea of defunding the judges, that's just a universally good thing. They're the bad guys. They are the bad they're, guys. They're just the bad guys. It's an oppressive regime, like, and he, it's supposed to look like that. I'm not saying you should separate your, your art from your reality, but, like, you, you can, in this instance, like, they, they are... Say what you will about ACAB, but, like, all judges are bastards. Yeah. Like, that's the comic you're reading. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't understand that in the same way. There was a thing recently where... You know the thing about how there's a lot of right-wing Star Trek fans? Yeah. There was a thing recently where a Fox News host was like, Oh, Star Wars is getting too woke, and that's why I'm a Trekkie. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of memes about that. And a lot of people like making fun of her because that's such a ridiculous thing to say. But but like there is those right wing fans. People will just not understand the media that they're reading. It is a navy. Yeah. It is a it is a hierarchical navy. Hierarchical. 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 I want to say hierarchical, which I, but I know that's wrong. That's yeah. that's the wrong word. But I, I physically can't say hierarchical. I'm trying. I've got speech problems. <laughs> Let's talk about this comic. I want to not talk about this comic for a further second more. Okay. Because it's, it's a tone thing, it's an expectation thing. Do you expect this to go well? I think that what the story that they're setting up mm. is that uh, it will go, because what's going on? Maitland mm. has been allowed to conduct an experiment. Yeah, a it, social experiment. She's been given one sector to run her new initiative where they're defunding the judges and putting more funding into things to actually make... There's people in uniforms that have got sector services written on their jackets at the bottom of the The, the first thing that happens is like that bit from Dread, yeah. 2012, where like he sees There's a homeless, homeless guy, yeah. and in Dread... The Carl Urban Dread, he's like, when I come out of here, you'd better have moved on. Yeah, and then he goes to arrest him when he comes out. He's like, I told you, like you're you're cubes. But in this, like there there is sector services, like there is like they come over and presumably actually address the problem of yeah. why is this guy homeless. You've called uh, an oldster as well, which I really like. That's a common thing. That, I know, oldsters, elsterlords. Yeah, is it elsters? Anyway, it's like a youngster, but for old. Yeah, yeah. Where was I? You were saying about Ma- yeah, Maitland's this going got well. this in uh, sector three hundred and four, mm-hmm. and uh, if things go well in this sector, then they might try and roll it out to be how they do things in the rest of Mega City One. Yeah, and um, yeah, so I, I think that the story they're probably telling is that that will be how it goes, and that you know actually trying to solve the root cause of crime, which is you know people mm-hmm. not having anything to turn to other than crime, mm-hmm. uh, will will go well. As it often does when they try these kinds of experiments in the real world. Because it is working. Yeah. Uh, and that will be foiled by a conspiracy of the people who are already in power. So, so mm. you don't think it'll go well then? Because uh, that's the I assumption. If it goes if it goes as well as it could go, they're in danger of writing themselves out of having a Judge Dredd comic. Right? Because yeah. this is the thing where, like, it's, it's like multiple layers of that where, like, this is a good story to do. Like, this is a... Like you say, it's four years ago, but whatever. This is this is a topic they should be doing tackling. It should be in the Judge Dredd comic, but like it can't possibly go well because it just solves the setting. Yeah, and like 
I would like to see that. Like, see, see if they just discontinued Judge Dredd because they had solved crime by, like, doing left-wing policies. If they did that... That would be something we would never stop talking about. That's true, yeah. Like, we would... Till we die, be like, remember when they just fucking <laughs> cracked it? They just solved... Like, they were just like, right, no, just, just socialism. And then, like, all of the fucking comedy gangers from Judge Dredd were like, yes! Like, the, that's it. Thumbs in the air. Like... And the first, uh, the first comic in 2080 every week after that was effectively Star Trek, where just the the whole Earth is fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would love the fuck out of that. <laughs> but obviously they can't invalidate their sin. Yeah. And then like that, that's like one thing. And then the other thing is like Maitland. I don't know. I don't know if we've seen Maitland's sort of motivations. She she seems like a good apple kind of thing, and I feel yeah. like that's a dangerous thing where um you can't necessarily um. I guess it's preferences. We've talked about this before. How how in control are the judges? Yeah. And how evil are the judges? Because I was saying all judges are bastards. So, like, showing that some of them aren't, or at least they aren't because the the numbers are making them be socialists. If there's no one in any position of power that would want to institute this plan, Mm. then this plan wouldn't be instituted, and then the story wouldn't happen. Yeah, but it's a weird place to be in morally where, like, the judges should always be the bad guys because that's the comic. Like they are the villains. Well, and ju- then, Judge Dredd flip flops. The, the comic flip flops. The, the judges as a political force should always be an oppressive police state regime. For sure. Yeah. But like, and it, it does look like the higher ups are trying to like crush. Yeah, there, there was this. absolutely a conspiracy at play in this comic mm-hmm. to to make this go badly. But it's like a weird. So like, they can pro- they can say we we tried that we proved it doesn't work. Mm. Now let's just spend more money on nukes. The nukes do come in handy, to yeah. be fair. But like, it's like a weird place to be in, where like, she is a good judge, essentially. Like, like, and like, it's like that. That's the opposite of like the bad apple thing, where it's like, oh, there's some good apples, and it's like, I don't know if I like that. It's a personal preference thing. Where like, I know it's there for the purposes of the story existing, mm-hmm. but like, it's kind of like, no, they, they they are fascists. They are super Nazis, and like, they're only good people when fucking. Judge Death turns up, and the alternative to the judges is literally a guy that wants to kill literally everyone. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to rapid fire through the events of this comic because we've been now been talking for half an hour already. It's okay. Uh, I, I do feel the need to keep a bit on track of that, given what happened at New Year, mm. or was it Christmas? It was Christmas when we lost our complete. You've heard that now, listeners. Yeah. The Christmas episode is out. We went mental. Maitland's doing this project, they explain the project, they're like, anybody that didn't read those stories, they explain to you what we've just explained to you. Uh, then we cut to Judge Dredd, and uh, Dredd is dealing with some mugger who just comes at him with a knife. <laughs> and uh, in the course of dealing with that, he doesn't kill him. I feel like we've talked an awful lot about how my vision of Dredd is much more lethal than mm-hmm. you think he actually is, and maybe so. It, it, it's case by case. Yeah. But there's like... like Situations like this where like a guy's coming up with a knife, I'm happy enough for Dredd to brutalise the guy, yeah. but not necessarily kill him. I think in this situation... He'd be on, like, like if, if the guy is like trying to kill a judge, yeah. that you should just kill him. It, but, like, yeah, in this situation, if, if Dredd had just shot him, I don't think that would be out of... There's characterization there, though, because if you remember the time he met the other Judge Dredds, there was a whole thing about, like... Yeah, but that seemed weird to me. But there was a whole thing about, like, the main Dredd is like, well, we used to have a lot more people... Until multiple like wars and zombie things happen, so you have to take not take care of the like he's aged into like a more like I'm not just going to execute yeah but like that that doesn't like, have to be consistent he, he like, was but, also like really down on one of the film Judge Dredd yeah. for like 
sentencing somebody to death, which is a thing that they do. Like, yeah. it's a big part of the character. That's a thing that they do. So... <laughs> And he's aged though. He's mellow when he's he's nineties. He he's weirdly, weirdly uh, mellowed a little bit. Mm. But uh, while he's dealing with this petty crime, he, he gets puts him on a little post as well, which is the thing that I like yeah. dread doing. Like they they have like a name. I forget what it is, but there's like specific like um, things to chain crims to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he gets he gets a message saying that. Uh, how does it go? Because does he get the message to say that the assassin has appeared first, or because he's because there's a meeting about to be happening yeah. because of this experiment? And I think it's so he gets a, a message about the meeting. So like yeah. like the Maitland plan is going to be put before the council, and uh, the, uh, the I think it's the other way around. I think that because I think this is all part of the conspiracy. Because mm. he gets a message to say that Major Dumu, the assassin that yeah. is like left in the wind from that initial story. Uh, is somewhere, so he's rushing off to deal with that. Yeah. On the way there, he gets a message from this beautifully moustached judge. Uh, I think we've already described one of the judges as being like a porn star. Um, yeah. But my Caspian. god. Yeah. This guy doesn't look like a porn star to me. This guy looks like a, a cowboy. This guy uh, looks like he should yeah. be from like Texas City. Red Dead Revolver or uh, Red Dead Redemption, I should say. Red Dead Revolver is that weird one for the PS2. Mm-hmm. Um, or something like that. He's got that like big kind of Hulk Hogan-y mustache. It's black. Yeah. If it was like a like, see if the mustache wasn't handlebar based, mm-hmm. he would be very fashionable currently. But uh, he calls Dread up and is all like, "Oh, Dread, do you know that Maitland plan meeting's happening? Are you are you going to be there?" Mm. And Dread's like, "No, I've I've got a big like action scene to deal yeah. with. I'll have to send my apologies. Sorry." And I think it's pretty much implied from the vice oh, yeah, at least. Yeah. That this guy is like the reason why Dread has been sent to Major Domo, so that he will not be at that meeting. Because as we established in that other story, what Dread says happens is what happens, and mm. Dread was for this experiment. So if Dread goes there, he's going to back up Maitland, and he doesn't want that. Well, as it turns out, though, it doesn't look like he's necessarily needed to back her up. No, so, no, as as we will go on to find out, it does look like they're doing their best to foil the socialism plan, yeah. but uh, it's working anyway. <laughs> Well, it does, because uh, when we get to the meeting, uh, that judge, the moustache judge, is called Hernandez. Hernandez, yeah. When they get there, uh, the, the, it's, it's kind of like, it, the vibe is it's an emergency meeting mm. that the council and the chief judge are meeting to discuss this horrible problem that they've got, yeah. which is that... Crime is down. Crime is down. Yeah. It's working. Like, we, we have successfully stopped people committing as many crimes. By just educating them and providing <laughs> them with basic needs. So... Clearly that's where all of this is going. Yeah. Um, however, the other thing that I wanted to point out before that is that uh, Dread meets up with another judge to go and take on the action scene where Major Domo is. Judge and Giant. this is Judge Giant, who I have at some point to talk to you about because I said that is another named judge that I remember and was some guy in some comic Judge Giant. Mm-hmm. Every time I think we've seen like a random judge, you're like, is that Judge Giant? Yeah. And, and this, this, one... this one actually is. So there you go. Do you like the art in this story? I really like the art in the story. I really like the... I, I think that uh, they've got a really good way of doing the kind of shininess of the judge helmets. Mm. I really like the character design of Hernandez. Yeah. I don't know if that's like he's a new character to this. Probably not. Mm. But uh, There is a famous like, comic artist called Hernandez. So I wonder if there's any like... I really like the, the way that they've got the mega city looking. Like the, um, the action scene that Dread's going to is in like a place called the Multiplex. Yeah. Which looks like the most full of life area in Mega City one that we've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? 
I love it. I love their style. Someone was saying it was very like um, like Frank Miller inspired, and I can oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. I can kind of see it in places where like the the color is doing a lot of the work, or not a lot of the work, but like it's it's complementing it really well. Where like there's the, also a lot of the facial features are picked out in these kind of scratchy lines that you see in Frank Miller stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm very excited to see it in Toucan going forward for, like, if it is a mega epic and it goes on for ages and it is this art, that would be great because I think it's very suited to Dread. Mm. And it's it's that kind of... Um, that kind of Sometimes you get art for Dread and it's like, oh, yeah, that's Dread. But then you get art like this and it's like, yeah, it's fucking Judge Dread. Look at that mega city. Like, see on, like, the first page and you can see, like, all the, like, domed towers and things. And I think it's in the next issue because I have read ahead slightly. There's like a shot of like the mega city from above, and yeah, like, we, like, we've had some problems keeping to our usual schedule, so we, we're kind of an, an issue behind at the moment. Yeah. Like you say, COVID struck you down. It did in the month of January. January's been a difficult one to deal with. A bleak one, but I like it. I'm coming to t- you know, I like the the chief judge is some guy. Right? Yeah, he just looks like an an man. Is he like Superman? Like what? He's got like a little kind of. Not S curl, but he's got like a little thingy, and like he's got a little star like on his cape and things. Is like I'm trying to, I'm struggling. He does have a big cape because chief judges do. Have the chief judge? Have the chief judge always had a little star like clasping their cape together? I don't remember. It, that feels like probably, probably they do. I think. But <laughs> what they've definitely had is a big badge like covering their whole chest, which he does have, but you can't see it. In, yeah, it's cut hands. off. And like the last panel, like what do you make of it? Because I feel like it's very ambiguous because like this is like the conspiracy of like the, the evil judges the fascists are trying to stop the socialism working yeah but like the last panel is the chief judge being like so so what do we do next what what, what is it's working so what what do we do like the space when is very... i first read this mm-hmm. i thought the tone of it was how do we stop this yes in the next issue i am less sure that that is where chief judge logan mm-hmm. specifically is coming from yeah the, this hernandez does seem to be the he's he's, he's the real antagonist from dread, the of this. dread i think in this one has a whole thing about like oh i don't like that hernandez i can smell ambition off of yeah him. he does oh, it's yeah. a bad treat for a judge i'd forgotten about that well i think it's very telling that um and in keeping that judge dread thinks that ambition is a bad treat for the judge yeah. for, for a judge because there have been so many opportunities for Judge Dredd to be Chief Judge. Yeah. And I think characters even asked him about this. Like, why have you never gone for Chief Judge? Mm. And he's just like, no interest. Yeah, I've got traffic. I know, I always, I know traffic is the thing I hammer away at. But yeah. he will do traffic patrol. Like, he, he will give people tickets. And I think also, like, you know, people that go for Chief Judge, I do have to kill them at some point. I'll so. have to, I have to kill them or I have to, like, they have to be my best friend for 30 years. And then I have to say, like, I don't respect your authority to their face <laughs> in a hall where, like, every other judge is... But yeah, good story. Looking forward to seeing how it develops. Yeah, for sure. Number two, Devil's Railroad, part 12. Script by Peter Milligan, uh, art by Rufus Steglo, colours by Jose Velarubia, friend of the show. Friend of the show. And letters by Jim Campbell. Jim Campbell. Okay, so this strip, I think, has the worst thing any character has done to another character in any two cad i've ever I'm read i'm glad that you have such strong feelings because remember when i was saying that i read this under a fog of covid mm-hmm. i don't really remember much about there it. is a panel in this that is a bit of character interaction that i potentially might be over egging but it's so viscerally real might be the wrong word but like very like it's the, the evil in it is so realistic is the word i'm going to be that's wrong but like every day it's like a very like a very bland Horrible, not space sci-fi version of evil. 
it's a realistic. Realist That's been a problem I've had consistently with mm. Devil's Railroad because of the amount of sexual violence in it. It's 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 sort of related to sexual yeah. violence, but isn't necessarily sexual violence. But like every time something like that is yeah. it, I've been like, oh, this is not a fun comic. No bad guy thing. This is just a bad thing. That it's it's very much in line with that, yeah. but not necessarily as it's hard. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. But like my, when I read it, I was like, my fucking god. Also, page one. Yeah. This fucking guy. The Isaac White, I think he's Isaac called Isaac. White, yeah. Uh, has turned up to Constance's baby's birth wearing a full military regalia with multiple badges that say number one dad on them. And daddy. And he's, he's got like a, a, he's, he's a smoking saber. a cigar like like 50s media people would, men would do when their wife is having a baby. Yeah, you'd hand out cigars. Also like side notes like he's smoking a cigar in the hospital where she's giving birth mm-hmm. like a total prick this guy like like the, the heel work in devil's railroad is without comparison yeah like it, it like i don't know if i'm praising it for that but, but it's it definitely there it's yeah definitely there. also look at his fingers like i don't think his fingers were drawn like this before but good christ I think he's wearing a glove. The, the, those fingers are in there though like like he's he's got like they are thicker, more sausagey fingers than the king has. And the end, yeah, than the king, uh, and the end in little like condomy nubule <laughs> bits. Like, like he, this drawn was relished. Like drawn, like drawn this. You can see the love that's went into this horrible fucking guy. <laughs> it's incredible. So Constance is having the baby, and Isaac seems to just be claiming the baby now. Yep. Again, I read that as a comedy bit, and I've been saying this every podcast, but, like, him sort of imprinting onto, like, this baby is, like, because it's, like, the worst thing that could happen, and it it sort of defies logic and reason. Yeah, it absolutely defies logic. It's an absurd comedy bit. I don't know why he's obsessing over this one woman that he just met one time. Because it's funny. Like, that's the only reason. And, like, I I read it as that, and it it, it reads to me as that, and I, I find it funny because he's so horrible. He's got a bit where he's just going on about his motivations. I suppose this is the thing about Devil's Railroad where they always tell you the story yep, at the start. Yeah, it's great. But he's, he's going on about how his mother, like, sanctified his, his brother Joey and, like, how could I possibly compete with that? Not with these but fingers. Also, like, he's, he's going on about, like, his struggles in Palamon, uh, not Palamon, Constance, I think, has a bit where she's like, I'm sorry, that must be really hard for you, or something. Literally giving birth. Yeah. She does say she misses Palamon so, mon- so much at the bottom, so maybe I'm misremembering that. Yep, so there's that bit, and I think it might be the exact page turn where it happens. Uh, no? It's it's here, I want to say. Like, there's a bit where he leans into her um, and says, like, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to wait for it to come up, right? So, like, she's she's calling for Palamon. Yeah. Because she's given birth, and everything's horrible, and this horrible man's continuing to smoke at her. And he's like, just, like, for calling out to pa- for Palamon, I'm going to, like, ask the nurses not to give you any more oh, yes. painkillers. He does do that. As a tiny, he says, as a tiny punishment. Like, like it, it, there was, like, I want to say there was wiggle room. Like, he was a sexual offender before. Yeah. Like, there, there was no wiggle room. But, like, there was, like, who is this? What is this guy's, mo- like, what is he doing? Is he, because there, there was a bit where it's, like, he could be, in a lesser, in a comic where his evil is lesser, Mm-mm. he could be positioned as, Eventually, a somewhat sympathetic character. Yeah, because yeah. he's got like an evil mum who shocks him and stuff. But like, there's just this bit where he's like conscious of his evil, and it's this like she's given birth, and he's just like, for for that, I'm going to make sure that you don't have painkillers, anesthetic, 
And I, as, I a, felt, as a form of control. Yeah, as a form of control. Yeah. And I was just like, in my, in my soul, just like, this fucking guy. Like, that's... Like, have you heard... Can you think of, off the top of your head, like, a worse thing that someone in Toucan has done to someone else? In 2008, hmm, maybe not. Maybe in, like, other fics, but, like, I was thinking, like, there's so many, like, fucking genocides that happen every strip or whatever. Yeah. But, like, this time, like, it's, like, a horrible, real little, like, oh, this fucking bastard. It's rough reading, is it, Devil's Reload, yeah. because there is a lot in it that's, like, that, like I say, mm-hmm. that's not a sci-fi... It's not a comedy sci-fi bit. Like, fancy thing of evil, that's just what horrible men there's, are like. There's a thing that happens to Balmon in this mm-hmm. that's a comedy sci-fi punishment thing that is in no way as visceral as, like, that's that, cool. like... Speaking of, Palamon's about, he's, uh, I think he's still angsting over not, not having a soul and, like, not, like, feeling anything. Well, he's got 10% left of a soul. Uh, I think that, uh, does he think that Constance is dead? I think he might do. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going down an alleyway, Hart and... Uh, Turner Hart. Turner Hart and, and his robot three fly after him in their, their, like, fighter thing, and they zap him with the laser, which, like, again... That looks like he should just be dematerialized, mm. but he he's like teleported on board. Yeah. Well, like I really like the um, Turner Hart, the politician, and his robot get out of their because sh- not only have they turned up in their their own jet yeah. to persecute this thing for Sister White, they get they go on the. It's even funnier that this politician's in an alleyway yeah. brandishing a gun. Like he should be like like the seat of power kind of thing, but he's like, no, Sister White asked me to go murk a guy, so I guess I will. The alleyway, incidentally, has a piece of graffiti that says "Stop the Aliens," which I have to assume is a reference to "Stop the Boats." Yeah. So more, more political stuff there. Fighting. Sister White is is saying that uh, one death is too good for him, which is setting up that what they're going to do with Palamon is they're going to put him into a like torture chair mm-hmm. that is going to make him experience. They do say exactly how many. I think it's like thirty six different deaths. It's a number of deaths, and a lot of them are shown on yeah. the panel. Well, they're not shown, but I mean, like, like, they, they show like his face a number of times in a Jack Kirby-ish kind of way, mm. where like he's on fire in one, and he's got like a spear stabbing through his head in another one, and he's got no skin in one. He's, he's, he's um, narrating as well. He's telling you like yeah, how he's yeah, drowning in slugs. But again, like this is a splash page of like here's the horrible things that are happening in Palamon. I mean, after I read the thing with Constance, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, like a space comedy thing's happening to him. Like, yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, the last one is that they make him because he's so like in despair after all this that the last one is that they, they make him experience committing suicide mm. or algorithming himself as I have heard it said algorithming recently. himself yeah. okay okay. Um, I don't think we need to worry about that though we're not going to be broadcast on TikTok I mean we could be we could be we probably should be probably like, we cut this podcast up into like 10 second segments and and then um, Constance has her baby and uh, Isaac White picks her up and is like, "It's a girl. I've got. I've got a daughter. I think I'll call her Isaac." Yeah. His name is Isaac. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be able to remember. That I just see him time. and I think this fucking guy again. Uh, artwork spectacular. The fact that Isaac is calling his baby Isaac is that a dig at? Um, Are you bringing up my man Danny Dyer? I'm bringing up Danny Dyer because I, I couldn't. Danny Dyer, Dyer for a second there. Danny Dyer has the plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Of Danny being a girl's name as well. If it's got an eye at the and, end. And it does have an eye at the end. Um, but I do think it is very funny that Danny Dyer called his daughter Danny Dyer. <laughs> I, I like to talk about, I play like card games and stuff. I like, I like the concept of like you, you keep your cards close to your chest until you get what you want. You don't, you don't reveal your hand, right? 
and just the the sheer like gamermanship, the sheer like sort of craftiness, this like this es- like the subterfuge that Danny Dyer went through with his wife of like <laughs> mentioning like maybe he was like, I oh, you know what's a good name, uh, Danny. Like like yeah, like like how did it go? How did it get? Like did he just did he just be like to his wife? Let's call her Danny, and like his wife's like, yes, that's a great. Oh, but Danny with an eye. Like, was his wife in on it, or did like Danny Dyer have to like craft his way to the situation where it was like? I certainly hope his wife was in on it. Well, like, that it's being naming their daughter. Well, like, did his wife not know what she was doing until it was too late? <laughs> like, because sometimes you have to hear like something like a name. Ages until like it clicks. Literally, this podcast Bullock doesn't sound right. Yeah, like na- like things you say words more and more and they change. Did did he somehow secure Danny as a name, Danny with an eye? Because that's great. And then his wife didn't click on to the fact. Wait a second, that's <laughs> also that's also Danny's name. Or was 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 it like a thing he said? And then his wife was immediately like, "That's hysterical." We're doing. I need to know. <laughs> Maybe this is chronicled out there. I know Danny Dyer has Danny 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 Dyer with an eye has an autobiography out, mm-hmm. so potentially it's chronicled in there. It would be very funny if they just never mention it anywhere as well. Mm-hmm. Like n- neither of them seem to be conscious of the fact that they're both called Danny Dyer. When like the one like calls for them, like shouts for like Danny, do like both of them stick their head round and she's like, "Oh no, Danny with an eye!" Like <laughs> it's a thing you do, right? It's a thing in the past. You'd name your son John Junior. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on here, but it's a comedy bit because he's insane and also just terrible. And he's, he's such a terrible man. The art, though, the art is spe- like, see, look at that tiny little baby. Mm. Look at it; it's so small and precious. And him being absolutely gigantically huge. It's as big as his fucking thumb. Yeah. He's got a sword. Is that a forty k sword? It he he does. Like one. He, he he could be a commissar. Yeah. But I think it's just because he's wearing his Sunday best for the birth of his child. Yeah, that has to be it, but it... Uh, I, 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 he's got uh, a big sash! He's got a big sash. He's got medals. He's he's, <laughs> he's a gang member. He's the son of a gang leader. Well, none of it really makes very much sense to me. I love it, though. Like, I think it is harrowing, right? And, and harrowing in a way that isn't enjoyable. But, like, as I was saying at the very start of this, that's good for the type of story they're telling. And every fucking time this guy appears, he's somehow more monstrous. Yeah. And I think that's an achievement. See, when I saw this panel, because I kind of flipped through it before I read it, and I saw, like, Palmon, uh, not Palmon, yeah, Palmon, Palmon being shot. Yeah. I was like, are they just killing him? Because, like, I, I felt that coming for a while. Like, like one of them yeah, could just I, die. I thought, like, a couple of issues ago, they were definitely going for he's a shit, but he sacrifices yeah. himself and sort of makes good that way sort of thing. But, no. I don't know. I think that Devil's Railroad, particularly, like, this story in Devil's Railroad, I'm not saying it's not good, mm-hmm. but I don't like it. I understand that. Yeah. I think it is good, and I like it, but it's potentially too harrowing. Mm. Uh, next? Yeah. <laughs> Enemy Earth, book three, part five. Uh, script by Kevin Scott, art by Luke Horsman, and letters by Simon Boland. Boland! We open on the Prime Minister of Great Britain punching Hitler in the face. You know, I thought I, I must have glossed over that because I don't remember being as impacted by that uh, when I read it. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's reasons for not to be impacted by it because mm. it is the Prime Minister of Great Britain who is dressed like a lumberjack and has a massive, like, wild man hair and beard. Mm-hmm. And the Hitler that he's punching isn't actually Hitler. But, I mean, strong first issue of Captain America vibes. Oh, for me. yeah, yeah. 
He's punching Hitler's teeth out. Yeah. He's also there, there is a tooth expanding away in the same direction of motion as the moustache. Yeah. And also he's he's already got a bruise from the punch. Yeah. That's how um, desperate Dan Strong, the yeah, Prime Minister, you is. Remember what's going on here. They've got Jules, uh, the son of the Prime Minister. Son of the Prime Minister. Prime Minister is called Robert. I remembered recently. Mm. I feel like me remembering any of the characters' names is an ill omen because it means that it'll be ending soon. Yes, we've got to the stage where we know the characters yeah. and we'll never see them again. Uh, but so uh, they, they've, they've got Jules in the pod and they're going to be using his big monster brain to control all the other monsters. Robert. Ooh, what is the second name? Robert, Robert Minister. It's Blackford or something. Is it? Anyway, hmm. the Prime Minister. Uh, he, he, he's not happy with that. He goes, he's a little boy! And this wham sp- smacks Chinese Hitler away. And then the big robot nanny 2.0 comes and, like... From the artwork, it looks like uh, Hitler, Hitler's neck has went 180. Yeah. Like That could have been like a killing blow. Uh, it's not, no. as we've come to learn. But yeah, it does look like it could be a killing punch. It's very kinetic. It's very uh, very good. Love it. But uh, Nanny's all like, shall I transfer the Prime Minister to holding cell? And uh, Blackford... Is it Blackford? Can't remember. Prime Minister. The Prime Minister. Prime Minister. Uh, he's saying, let go of me, Nanny! Confirming that it is, in fact, Nanny, because mm. you were saying... I, I still think they think it's Nanny. But it's not actually. Well, I mean, I think at this stage it probably is. Yeah. But, like, from the tone I got from it is, like, they could just... Because they can just make... Rob- like, Prime Minister of Great Britain had a robot. Yeah. So, like, China having mass-produced better robots. Or, indeed, India. India, but because, yeah, they invaded... Uh, yeah. the- um, but uh, he's saying you were supposed to protect Julius Damn and, uh, and now the nanny's been reprogrammed And mm. is working for the people that have Enslaved him uh, Is it in this strip or the last strip That we find out that he's up for it I think it's this one because yeah, Zoe is going around like trying to, to turn this into a, a situation where they don't immediately get killed by mm. the security robots. And the way that she does that is she starts opening all of the pods mm. that the monsters are in, which doesn't necessarily seem like it's a safe plan to go with. Mm. But uh, in doing so, she releases the big snake, which, as we know, uh, will just absolutely kill them. They yeah. are fucked. As uh, as David, producer David, did tell us. Producer David does have a whole thing about how even like a snake that big would just kill everything in its path. Yeah. Uh, so they're surrounded by monsters, and um, the monsters, I think, just like... It looks like they're going to go for everybody, but then they just don't. And it's because... They get a psychic message from Big Brain Jules in the pod. God, his brain's so big. Yeah, it didn't look that big before. Like, it's definitely like he's mutated his head into. Oh the yeah, yeah. And uh, he says, "I can control them all. The animals, the plants. Uh, after everything we've been through, after everything that's happened, I can help." And so General Tan, he's called Chinese Hitler, is saying, "Like, yes, this is what the plan is, and he's he's for it." So he's for it, and like they're very quickly distracted by another thing happening. But it's just like we have to take this fucking monster well, child's word. Like, not only is, like is he drugged, like is he hypno conditioned? That like, does, I think, raise an important point, which I think that this feels slightly rushed, rushed a little bit, because it's very much like he was building into be like this superhero-y, superpowered yeah. at least monster child. Yeah, and it's very much like they've clipped all of his tendrils and also built, bigged up his brain. In one issue, because like th- th- that was the reveal last issue, and yeah. they they they'd only captured them for like the amount of time that the protagonist was asleep, and now he's plugged in. He's the dummy plug system. Like it, it definitely feels quite 
ru- like not ru- but like yeah. rushed to be wrapping up. Like, I, I think it is being rushed to be wrapped up. I think they've been told you've got one more run to finish your story, yeah. and this is that because um, the thing that they get distracted by is that the aliens are coming now. Yeah, sudden inevitable smash cut to aliens. Well, that's that's just what I was going to say. I don't think the pace the story was going at before mm. really feels like it should have been this quick because I think from the time. From aliens being introduced as a plot point to now we have to actively fight the aliens. I think it's been like three strips. If that. Might have been two. I think it's two. Yeah. So, but you know, they've they've identified an... uh, They've identified identified an unidentified flying object. They've identified the unidentifiable. And uh, the last thing is Jules says, like, they're here. And then you see the big spaceship. There's a, there's a big spaceship that warms up. They nuke it, I think, in this strip, don't they? They they, they immediately launch. They fire missiles. I don't know if they say they're nukes. I, I well, let me just they see if be. they do. There are two nuclear armed nations involved in this. So uh, the, the prime minister says it's not even a scratch after mm. the nuclear hits. The, the after the missile hits. That that is the trope, though. Like you know, you, you nuke the aliens immediately, and then like, always, they no sell it. It always makes me think of the first episode of Evangelion, where it has that sound clip of every single missile hit the target. Yeah. And, Nothing happened. I like the ship. It's it's like a triangular box looking thing. It looks like a helmet, really. Yeah. Like that could be like a helmeted face that's looking down at Earth there. I think it's coming out of a wormhole. Yes, uh, or one of those gates that you see in Marvel films that I'm not really big into. And they're going to come and invade, but uh, they are defenseless because they, they they shoot like a sounds like a, it looks like a kind of sonic disruption type of thing, and all the power goes out. Oh, you sure it's not like an EMP? And then we can like describe could an EMP. we could describe an EMP, and we could like contribute to that spreadsheet of like pieces of media that descri- describe what an EMP is to the audience. Is that a thing? That's a big thing. Like for a while there, every film that had an EMP in it was like, here's what an EMP is. Mm. Golden eye up, you know. Like, okay. I mean, we had the opportunity to do that with the Christmas prog because uh, in Azimuth they were shooting oh, EMP yeah. EMP guns at the the, the digital ghosts. Well, wasn't there like an, like an EMP field as well? Like, yeah, there was, was a, like a net an EMP the... picket. Yeah, was, oh, they definitely had the word picket. Picket. Yeah, I'm back in. Yeah. Um, but if it is an EMP, it's an EMP that makes noise because there's a big. Isn't, isn't that like a like a, like isn't that like a honk? Like that's like the aliens have arrived and they're honking. Like it's um, where did the honking come from? Was it Inception? Was that the honk trailer? The honk. Uh, yeah, the... Inception famously had the big honk honk soundtrack. Mm. But I think you're probably thinking of aliens being associated with that because of Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Yes, they do do a lot of honking. The the the, the Reapers. The Reapers. Yeah. The Reapers honk. And then um, recently, because Star Trek Picard is weirdly just an adaptation of Mass Effect, mm. they had a massive honking ship that honked. <laughs> Like it honked after, it chased them, it honked after them, and then it died. The bad ship, it, the bad ship died, and then it honked away. Like it, it like floated deadly, like it was dying and like being crushed, and it just went into the distance. Does the DNA of honking spaceships originate with uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Oh, probably, but we we don't know because it's so dull. <laughs> I've seen Close Encounters. You've sat through all of Close Encounters. I've sat through all of Close Encounters. All eight in, hours. In one sitting. Eight, all eight hours of Close Encounters in one sitting. Yeah. I agree. Impossible. I, th- I thought it was a good film. Mm-hmm. I agree. It could probably lose half an hour at least. Mm. But uh, This is me from like age eight or whatever. I've not had a chance. It's not It's never really on TV. Like, or it wasn't on TV during no, the period I... in which TV was a thing that people watched. I think I got it from a streaming service. Oh, but right. yeah. I've never sought it out either. It, it's like, why would I... 
I, I just felt like watching a Spielberg film that I hadn't seen. I forget it's a Spielberg. Yeah. It's, very... it's one of the big Spielbergs. Yeah. yeah, it's like Jaws and then that, I think. I think it's probably got like a reputation as being boring because there's not big honking space. There is, there is. A... There, there are, that's what I'm saying. There is honking spaceships, but they're not like... The spaceships show up and they're like... Burr, 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 yeah, but like the... And that's not quite the way that spaceships no. work in recent sci-fi. But I think that the idea that spaceships would make a, a, a kind of... A honk. A sort of... Sound, yeah. like they sometimes do, is probably from that. Yes, but they're they're, they're like non-combatant honks. They're not like, <laughs> they're not like I'm coming at you, honk. They're just yeah. like, hello, honk. They're communication honks. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm sure it's got a lot of merit, but it's not what I'm after in a spaceship that honks. Good to know. This happens because they shot them with nukes, and when I read that, they shoot them, they're like, oh, deal with them now. And I'm like, okay, Alpha Strike, I'm with you, Chinese settler. It immediately goes bad because we've got a comic to produce. Mm-hmm. And then the, the ship's like, that came from over there! Like, go get them! Like, like immediately the, the ship goes to them. In fairness, if, and this hasn't been confirmed, these are the aliens that have caused the spores that turn everything into monsters. Mm. Uh, it's not an Alpha Strike, it's not a, a, a preemptive strike. Mm. They've already been under attack from these aliens. Yes, so. but it's an Alpha Strike at the, the new threat because like the, the aliens have won they've destroyed earth with like yeah. big things I, I, I hope my hope for enemy earth is that the aliens turn up and they're like oh sorry about that like what one of our spores like the ship was taped like doing research or whatever and we, we left like some germs and it mutated we didn't mean for this to happen could, could be something like, like that. that that's the sort of trope you see but i want them to be like really apologetic being like because oh, we've seen what the aliens look like now but if they're like from the next issue yeah but if they look like that and they're also like, oh, sorry, lads, uh, things go out of hand, you know. Yeah, a bit more of the sort of Star Trek-y or um, Hitchhiker's Guide-y kind of plot yeah. where it's just like, yeah, this isn't really an invasion type of thing. We were just, yeah, sorry, horrible acts. We'll get the hedge trimmer and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fix this up. Did, you lost four billion. Is that a lot of you? I'll, 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 I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll get rid of all the monsters and we'll do you some new like uh, plant and animal life. Uh, we will need to do that with a Genesis device that mm. will kill everything that currently exists on the planet, but you'll get better. There's only like five of you, you can come with us. Yeah. Like, But we'll see. We'll see. I like Enemy Earth. I like Enemy Earth. Um, I'm a bit sad that it is seeming yeah. to be rushing towards it. I hope it's not like a, you got cancelled, but more of a like, they want to do other things. And Yeah, yeah. And maybe it is that. Yeah. Let's talk about Thistleboon. <laughs> Thistleboon is art by... Oh, it's in another place. Sorry, let me see. So the script is by T.C. Eglinton. Eglinton, a big egg. He is a big egg. Mm -hmm. Uh, I should probably say, sorry, T.G. Eglinton. We're calling you a big egg. We don't know, right? We we might have stumbled onto something. There's another podcast where they, 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 they often say, a big egg. We were just doing that. I mean, I was not it. trying to imply that you are a big egg. I say that anytime I see you have to speak about an egg now. Yeah. It's a genuine mind disease. The art is by Simon Davis and the letters are by Simon Boland. Boland. So it's a it's a double Simon production. Mm, mm. And this is Thistlebone, the dual tree, D-U-L-E, like Yule, mm. uh, part one. It really, like the entire contents of this strip and the name of it after I read it, really made me want a, a Yule log mm. um, because it, it got, it's Yule and it got me thinking about Yule and I was like, oh, we could have a lovely Yule log. And maybe that's not what they were going for with their cultism and their, their hanged women. Yep. But it's what I took from it. I'm going to struggle to describe exactly what happens in this story. I'll try and... Shall I, shall I try and do it? Uh, yeah, give it a go. There is a policeman. There is. Who looks like a guy that we may be meant to know, but I don't know him. 
I don't remember him from the second story of Thistlebone. I, I was just specifically mentioning like the, the reference. Like I don't know if we're like meant to like take him as someone. You know, how, you know how like there was time team members in the last. Yeah. Well, I, the only thing I'll say is that I think he could possibly be played by Michael Sheen. Oh yes, yeah, like a slightly buffed up Michael Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Michael Sheen. They, there's right. So they're at a house. And, like, the first page is a little bit hard I to parse. I think they're at the house of the guy who turned out to be the bad guy of part two, who mm-hmm. was a cultist. And he, they're, they're, they're taking all the stuff that out of it. That man's name is Malcolm Kinbra. Kinibra. No. Kinibra. He's the, the bad guy. Or he's, like, the cult leader or something. It's hard to say because we didn't read the first run yeah. and the he second had, run. He had a big shrine to the Thistlebone monster. Uh, that people are discovering now that they're going through his things, because I guess he was a murderer. I guess, I reckon. He did something to someone. There was something going on. It's like a little English village-looking house, and there's like a skip out the front. How did I know you were going to bring up the fact there was a skip? Well, the skip is important, because, like, is this big idol of Mr. Thistlebone himself, Mm. which I guess isn't, he isn't a guy, and like this is there, like, they're looking at it, and it's physically there. Yeah. Is this something they've taken out of the house and put into the skip? And I, I don't think so. I mean, you can't really see because the background is just, like, colours. Yeah. But I think this is, must be inside the house. You think it's inside the house? I, I think, think it must be. I don't... They're outside the house, though. Like, the, the establishment... Like, the establishment shot is outside the house. The characters that we're following are not among mm, the people suppose, in orange outside the house. No, you're right there, because when it turns the page, like, yeah. there's, there's wood In a floors. subsequent panel, mm-hmm. pa- panel, there are people in the orange that are... Yeah, I think that is, yeah, you're yeah. saying wood floors, yeah, yeah. I think that they should gingerly take apart the, the cursed idol of Thistlebone, because this is the exact situation in which this guy is not an idol, but a slasher killer who's just standing there looking at them, <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's just some idol they've knocked up. Now, he's, he's, he's going to turn, like, you're going to turn away, and he's going to slasher killer you. I thought you were going to say they should not, like, throw this thing in the skip because that's exactly the kind of disrespectful thing to the old god that you do, you do. in order to get the curse put upon yeah, you. Yeah, but, like, if you do it in the way that, like, you know, like, see if you put it in a skip, right, mm-hmm. and then he's like, oh, I'm an elder god, I'm going to get you. That skip can go into the back of a bucket lorry, like <laughs> Shredder from the end of the Ninja Turtles, and it can be very slowly crushed, and he can be like, ah, I'm getting you, but you're like, no, it's okay, you're not going to get me. You're being crushed now. Good night. I also enjoyed that action scene from Spectre. Spectre. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that action like scene from Spectre. Comics, yeah, uh, that's maybe why I'm thinking about that. But, like, it's funnier when it's an Elder God slash slasher man in a suit. Mm. But it's a very good idol. Like, say what you want about Malcolm, the, the cultist killer, but, like, he's, he's knocked up a work of art here. I think the artwork for Thistlebone by Simon Davis is standout. I think mm. it's the best arts in this prog. And oh yeah, there's then, there's there's some very good art in 2008. I I enjoy looking at it. I really yeah. do. I would say that this one. I remember the the second series being a bit more thick on plot. I remember it being much more vibes based. Yeah, well, it is vibes based, and this is vibes based. Yeah. But this is more vibes based than I remember it being. Mm. I remember it, there being at least a little bit more to go on because I was like, oh yeah, Thistlebone's back, and this this first bit of it isn't necessarily. And uh, the thing is, I remember each Thistlebone being like some chatting. The time team members. and there's, then you, there's an awful lot of chatting. And then you turn a page and there's like a big money shot of like, good God, that's a big cult thing. And there is there is one in this, but it's not necessarily like the craziest thing. Well, it might end up being crazier than it at first. It yeah, 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 for sure. But. Uh, there, there's a person going through the boxes of stuff and the bottom of the box falls out, spilling old documents on the floor in a way which I feel like 
happens 100% of the time in media where somebody is lifting a cardboard box like that. As a man who lifts cardboard boxes a lot, I can tell you that that happens every day. Mm. They, they, they are shite. I don't understand why the bottom of a cardboard box is constructed the way it is. I mean, I know why it is. So it's as, as someone who lifts cardboard boxes every day, would you maybe say that their technique could be improved so that in in the carrying of the cardboard mm-hmm. boxes, so that it's less likely for every single cardboard box infection to spill out on the floor? I would like to talk a big game about like carrying box technique. I want to be like, oh yes, he really needs to like bend the knees and like I want to like lay it on as like a kind of sports commentator version of it. But I'm also shite at doing it. <laughs> so I would not be speaking from a position of authority. Okay. I reckon if this character had had her hand underneath the box mm, instead of both that her is hands, a good technique uh, on the side of the box, they might be slightly less uh, prone to this. You just don't think about it though. However, if that had been what happens, then we wouldn't have the rest of this comic because one of the documents that gets spelled out is a newspaper clipping of The Curse of the Dual Tree, which is a film production running into difficulty. Yes. And for some reason, the police officer has a look at this and thinks it's important. I like the vibe of this because like, like, I would say Hammer Horror is potentially a big yes, influence. Yes, very Hammer Horror. Like this is very Hammer Horror and Thistlebone is very Hammer Horror. So like them doing a story about Hammer Horror or about like... like a horror film being made in Britain and that being the plot speaks to me a lot and also I like the vibe of just hiring local people Mm. from the local area to be in your shitty horror film and then going out to an actual tree that is there (laughs) and then (laughs) that actually had witches hung on it and like an actual like Native American burial ground type of vibe like that's everything um, the police officer goes to another house because he's going to speak to a woman that he knows was in this film mm-hmm. that never got released. Look at her, like she's someone. She, yeah. There's clearly you're clearly meant to go like, oh yeah, that's that's that horror person, or like she's an yeah. evil old woman trope character. Like she she's staring at your soul on that first panel of her. Like she's staring out of the comic at you with her evil witch eyes. I think she might look like a different actress in every scene. Yeah. I would agree. People usually say that as like a bad thing, but like that's fine. It's fine. On the other hand, like so, the first of all, he goes to her house, but mm-hmm. she's old and uh, seemingly has dementia because uh, her son says something about it being one of her better days. So you can ask her some questions. Yeah. But like the the first of all, talks to her son, and her son looks consistently like a particular type of guy, mm. and like I don't know if I've got anything to say about this <laughs> other than like the thing that really impressed me about the artwork was this guy and how like I, I immediately looked at him and I was like that's a kind of guy that you see yeah. in Britain. Like a real man. Yeah. yeah. But, like more Not so, a real man but like a real man. Yeah. In a way that like I don't think you really see in a lot of comic books. It art. is the shirt. The shirt belt combo. Yeah. From upside down I can tell you that he looks like Anthony Head. Okay. It looks like uh, like a. Is guy. that uh, from Giles from Buffy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or that one episode of Doctor Who that I know him from. And uh, I was saying he looks consistently like the same kind of guy and everything, but actually in this one here, this panel here, I think he looks an awful lot like Greg Davis. Greg Davis, I could see that as well. The uh, the old woman who's evil and like like if she well, she's got an evil face. She's got an evil face and like. Yes, she's got dementia. She, she actually seems to be perfectly pleasant when she's talking Again, to Again, but like, there's this panel where it's like she could be cackling. Yeah. She, like, she's not opening her mouth, but you could see if you could picture a film where she's staring at you and that actress is cackling on voiceover at you. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's very close to saying my pretties. Like, yes. 
Again, I'm trying to remember what they're actually talking about. There's a film. She was in the film. At some point, they produce the script because she mm. just has the script. She's kept it. It's got loads of very realistic um, coffee stains on it from yeah. multiple years. And uh, what's going on? So I, I think the next page is just like a big like art splash of mm. this tree because the film is about this tree where witches were hanged. Well, well, it was it was several women and one guy. Yeah, yeah, one man. It's like 30 wi- 13 innocent women and one man. Mm. Uh, interesting phrasing there. Was the man not innocent? He was. He was Ganon, is what I took from that. You know, like it was thirteen women and Ganon, because that the whole Ganondorf thing there with like he's a Gerudo, yeah. but he's the only male Gerudo. He's a witch man, is what I took from that. He is a warlock yeah. in uh, the Smash Brothers series. Is like I mean, this guy is like a witch man. Oh yeah, he probably almost certainly. But I mean, men were. Tried and found guilty and executed as witches. They just called I'm, it witches. I'm sure, like that's because this seems quite it researched was and totally. Largely, a the witch hunts were largely a kind of genocide's maybe not the wrong word, but like a genocide-like event for women. I would say that so, you, I've seen some documentaries recently that have used the word genocide, so I you, think you're, you're probably correct. You were certainly much more likely to to be called a witch if you were a female, but it did happen to men. Mm. There's some hands on the next pages that yeah, look like they were done so by the, AI. The story, if I recall, that they're telling is like the women that were hung on this tree were like hung badly. And this is the thing which you hear about quite a you lot. You do hear that a lot, yeah. About executions, not just of witches, but generally. That mm. like it's actually really hard to hang somebody. And if you hang somebody properly, uh, they, they are killed by their neck being snapped rather mm. than being strangled. And so these women are being hung badly, so they're just slowly being strangled. And uh, the, the the legend the legend tells that they are like horrible like noises that were you know that they yeah. were able to make sounded like they were cursing everybody and and we know that this some, just got some horrible imagery for the next couple of pages. It's, a, it's horrible imagery, right? But it's not the creak because like like there's been a lot of like Thistlebone splash pages that like look at that fucking thing. I mean that it, it does look good, right? Like it looks good. It conveys what it's trying to do, but like I don't get like a whoa, look at that. I do say horrible and that could be, you know, interpreted as being like this is bad, but it's it's very good horrible image. It yeah, it's it's a, it's a good rendering of mm. 30 innocent women <laughs> and one man being hung. 13. I re- 13. I really enjoy the the crows that are chilling out like just being drenched in blood. Yeah. I like I like the idea that they're sitting there just being like crows just doing nothing and they start getting drenched in blood and the crows are just like just like looking around being like what the fuck is what 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 like because like i feel like you're meant to take like a malevolent thing from them that they're just they're they're waiting to eat them or yeah that's that's the thing about like crows and ravens are considered to be like because they're carrion eaters like there's a whole thing in like norse mythology about ravens being like battlefield birds because they eat the dead that's what they're going for yeah I like to interpret them as that those crows were already there, somehow undisturbed before people were They're just looking for some seeds. Yeah, and like the blood is just you know when like you, it starts raining and you're like what the fuck was and you you look up and it's like the crows are just like huh that's a that's a weird thing. I mean I think it's a weird thing as well because there does appear to be an awful lot of blood going around mm. and um, generally speaking when you're hung, not that much blood. Not of shite. <laughs> 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 Okay. Look, they've got dresses, like, 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 and maybe the one, because this one guy, he's got bigger feet. Like, like, that could happen. That is a thing that's known to happen. Yeah. Not it's a thing not, I was really thinking about. It's not what's being depicted here. There's an opposite splash page where the women are like, this is them it's, suffering. Yeah, this is them making the noises people thought were them cursing mm. people or something. 
And this is a cursed area, because mm-hmm. that guy that is a guy going about being Thistlebone is Thistlebone, and he's probably into this, or not into this. Yeah. He's, he probably likes and or dislikes witches. He either likes witches or hates women. There's probably no in-between. Yeah. Um, thoughts? Because that's the last bit of Thistlebone. I wanted more from a first one. Like, it's, it's cool. You know, that is a graphic image. That is two graphic images. Like, two splash pages... I feel like they make good use of their splash pages elsewhere in Thistlebone, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily feel these two splash pages back-to-back are the greatest use of their space, because um, it front-loads the plot, and also what is the plot? Like, like, it, like the first page is also kind of a splash page as well. It, it doesn't feel very dense. It's the one that landed the least for me in my COVID adult state exactly. reading it, because yeah. I was just a bit like, when I was thinking about like what will I say in the podcast today, I knew I'd read this comic already. That was the one where I was like, yeah, what the fuck happened? Yeah, it's it's a start, and it's like, this one's going to be about this film we made in the yeah. 70s, but then didn't make, and the, there was a thing. I am, thinking about it, I am very apprehensive mm. about this being about some kind of cursed film, mm. because that reminds me of another comic that runs in 2018, Called Hope. Oh, stealth sequel. Like, this is the azimuth going into, like, this is actually a Hope yeah. sequel, prequel. I don't think we've talked about Hope yet. No. Hope is my single least favourite thing that I have ever read in 2018. Wow. It is. It's definitely called Hope and not Hopeless, right? I think it's called Hope. Yeah. Uh, it, it is awful. Yeah. And uh, when, when and if it rears its ugly head, we'll talk a lot more about it there. I, um, I remember the... But it is largely about a cursed magical film. Kind of. Yeah. It kind of is. Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't. Yeah. Because it's not really about anything. No. Uh, I am very excited to talk about Hope with you when it comes back. And there was talk of it coming back, but I've not heard that talk mm-hmm. for a wee while now. So we'll have to see. I have, uh, I think, developed something of a reputation for being a hater of The Fall of Dead World. Mm-hmm. I hate Hope... Far, far more than I hate Fall of Dead World. <laughs> That'll be interesting. I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to talk to you about it. And I'm uh, I, I, I just don't... Uh, it's a red flag, like all this stuff about the, the, the cursed film. Mm. Hopefully it's got nothing to do with it. Hammer Horror, yes. right? Yeah. And this guy's like referencing actors and real, real photo reference, right? Mm-hmm. What if there's a cursed film and then things go badly? Yep. There's like a killer or something. There's a curse. And then either Peter Cushing... Or Christopher Lee just barrel in, like like they is like they're not the actors, they're just the characters that the faces are based on them. Yeah, and they're, they're just like Christopher Lee and like Peter Cushing is just in this story. I I think that there is a great lot of potential in a 2008 story that is just like we're not calling Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, yeah. but just turning up being like heroes in gothic drama things. I'd I'd read that, Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing solved crimes. Yeah. Like, I'm big into that, yeah. That's all I have to say about Thistlebone. <laughs> uh, it's not the last comic, because, as always, I have forgotten about Feral and Foe. <laughs> Feral and Foe, Bad Goodsburg, Part 13. Good God. And uh, scripts by Dan Abnett, art is by Richard Ellison, and letters by Jim Campbell. I always forget about Feral and Foe, which I feel is a shame, because I really like it. Mm. And it's just like, uh, every time I turn the page, I'm like, oh yeah, Feral and Foe, I've still got to read that. It's a comforting friend. Recap-wise, we cut back to the uh, hot air balloon that Danica shot, and it's plummeting into the mouth of Hungry Sluke. Oh, good work. They're remembering the names of things. They just about survive the uh, crash landing because Bode uses that inflation spell, sound the fetish alarm, Woo! from the first uh, 
I think the very first one in this run of Feral Yeah, Pro, they, like, they, they were showing, showing off the spells he could mm. do and one of them was inflating a guy. It only works on people. Yeah. Which is sounding the alarm even harder. They, they, they're saying to, they're saying, Bo, would you use that inflation spell on the balloon? And he's like, I don't think that'll work, but I'll try it. And That's it, not how the force works. It sort of does work, but it pops the balloon. Yeah, it inflates it too much. Yeah, they, 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 but it slowed down the fall so that when they just crash into the ground, they're not all dead. Yep. I really, I think I was so bonus about, points for for that. I think I was talking about this last time, and how Danica just shot the balloon, yeah. and that was such like a like a player action. Like the Danica's player took their turn and was like, "I shoot the balloon," and like, then everybody at the table was like, "What?" Yeah, like that that feels so much like a thing that's happened in this game that this is a retelling of. Yeah. Like sometimes you get like bits that are like that's clearly like a functional like piece of the script that's like that's written and then there's other bits like that where it's like that that happened in your game didn't it dan like that that our character did that didn't they i wouldn't be surprised if this is literally dan abbott's dnd i would not be surprised either uh all the other players are very angry yeah uh rathchild is like trying to strangle danica with her cloak yeah i really like that that's um uh she says oh it's a good thing that we were able to cushion our fall and then rathchild's like i'll cushion your fucking fall um, but does she say fecking? Yeah. She does say fecking. Uh, poor poor Selen is like, don't don't fight now. We've got bigger problems. We're in the dungeon. No wind fighting. We're in the dungeon. We didn't bring the tank. The cursed crypt is swarming with malign kind. Malign kind. And uh, then we get a page turn, and there's like the, there's like a whole bunch of these. I don't know if they are kin but they're that sort of thing. I think they do say like there's they call them out. I think yeah. Um, and you know you've got an action shot, but on the other side of the page, we've got the splash page of where they are, and there's like a kind of Aztec pyramid temple-looking thing. Would you call that a ziggurat? Uh, I don't know what a ziggurat is. So I think maybe. it's one of those that like the pyramid that is um, like uh, stacked the the layers, and it has got a what looks like a black sun on top of the pyramid, oh, shining yes. lights out of it, and presumably that's the head of Hungry Sloak. That is the MacGuffin slash thing that you need to kill for the adventure to be over. Yeah. So the, this is them running the gauntlet. Uh, you've got some some good action beats. I really like the, the silhouettes. I love, I love good silhouette work, and there's just some silhouettes of them slashing at the, the malign kind. I think that... Um, I think that Richard Elson might be my best sword fighting artist Ooh, that I've seen. You really like that sword fight between um, Rathchild yeah. and Porcelain. But, I mean, just like even in like the little action shots here, like mm. you can see what they're doing. Like, yeah. that, like the types of chops that they are. And like, I think that comics are pretty bad with sword fights usually. Yes, I would agree. Um, but like, I think you do. Also, like, I do just love Danica's double guns. Yeah, she, she's just black. So she started blasting. I, I think this confirms that Danica does not need to reload her guns because she's shooting two shots in that one panel. She's mm. Shooting one shot. Ah, uh, well, there's a panel between that though. You're not seeing her in. The yeah, just panel. like ducking behind a, a rock yeah. and going like, <laughs> put the powder in. I think I've talked about it before in the podcast, but um, gunslingers need to have like that, like bandolier of other guns. Yeah. They just shoot one and just drop and keep going. But she doesn't. She's just got two holsters. They could very much be magical guns. Isn't they're they? probably magical yeah. guns. She's she's a chief wretch finder or whatever. Yeah. I, mean. I think they're talking some strategy that I can't really be arsed for remembering what it was. You were off your face with the COVID when this was, was happening. Uh, but like the, the the big takeaway is there's this big potentially ziggurat and Bode mm. is like we'll never get up there but they need to. It's not just a ziggurat; it's a ziggurat that's swarming. Like if you look at it, it's like covered in yeah the the, the various monsters that are coming to get you. And like when it is a very like 
you know, obviously I couldn't take this many rat people, mm. but like as a party, I'm like, yep, you'll take that. You'll do all right. Oh, you just need to win a fight. Yeah, like just do some area effect spells. You know, like. Oh, we see in this panel that the the black sun is indeed the skull. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's it's laughing. It's levitating there at the top of the the pyramid, and it's just cackling. Mm-hmm. It's living its best life. Like as as a fan of liches and good lich work, that's good stuff. Let's see. Anything else to say about here? The same Carl and Foe problem where like it's it's just it's just a good action story. It's a good action story with good like moment to moment like dialogue that when you read it you're like, that's really funny or like they said feck or like that's that's a that's a regional dialect. Yeah. But like it isn't it doesn't make good podcast content where like we'd we'd have to go through the entire of the script and be like fucking like um Bode said like this thing and we we really laughed at that. Yeah. To that, mm. the exchange that Porcelain and Wrathchild have towards the end is Porcelain is basically saying, like, you can't win this fight. Like, yeah. what are we going to do? And she's like, uh, never is, a f- is for fairy stories. And uh, I'm going to hack my way to the top. And when I get there, I'm going to slap a lich. Exactly. Pun work. That's Pun the work. other, the trifecta. That's, that's the other pillar yeah. of, of Feral and Foe. It's very good. You should read it. You should read it. You should look at it. You should look at it. Like, the artwork is universally great. Yeah. It's out in trade as well. That first, The first two, I think, are in trade paperback. So if you need I to catch up. definitely recommend the second mm-hmm. story. It's the second set of stories. Uh, and the first one was fine to good. Got better as it went. Yeah, it's definitely been, like, adding more and more as it goes. Yeah. It's been building on each other. And that's the prog. Yeah. They're going to go kill the lich. And I'm excited for the next issue. Not much to say. It ends. There's an ad. There, there, there are two ads. There's an ad on the inside back cover for a thing that's coming in 2024. A new reason to fear the dark. And it's Judge Dredd Iron Teeth. Iron Teeth. Iron Teeth. That is by an artist that I really enjoy. Ken Nyman? No, that's Nick the, the writer. Percival? Percival, yeah. I like, I like the, the... See how there's lots of um, particle effects. Like, see the, the stuff, like the kind of... Okay, I really like that, and he draws a lot of the dark judges. He does a lot of like horror stuff. He did these stories. I have to imagine this is going to be a dark judges thing. Yeah, right. The tagline is a reason to fear the dark. He does dark judges stuff a lot in the magazine. Uh, So like, I was wondering if this is an ad for the magazine. It doesn't say, so it might. He also did the story that was in the battle action with that guy who wasn't in battle action. Oh yes, uh, Thursday Doom. You remember that story? Do you remember that art? Yeah, that's that guy. Fair enough. I'm excited for that. I don't know if they had to fill space this issue, maybe, but like it's weird to see like a full page back ad and then another ad on the back as well. Cursitor. Cursitor. Cursitor Doom. Cursitor Doom. And then there's an ad for Survival Geeks, is it, on the back? Oh, yeah, they were called Survival Geeks. Yeah, it the, the, the tells you there on the side. That's the um, the very good, um, I don't know what you'd call it, service? The the product? I don't like the... I've watched so many videos recently of things being called products that I'm like, I don't want to ever I don't want to ever call a thing a product to get franchises and products can fuck off. Glancing at this, I thought it was an advert for a trade paperback of Survival League. It is a trade paperback, but it is that um hatchet thing where you collect one every week or every two weeks. Right. And you build up the collection and like that's coming to an end. I think um Tharg was saying that this next run of it's gonna be the last run of it because it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of issues. Okay. Uh, but they're they're like a tenor. And you can just buy them and it's it, that's just like you can just go get a full thing. I don't know if this is all of survival gleeps. I can't I can't believe it is because 
I remember Survival Geeks being in the prog for fucking ages. It was one of these things that came and went. It was definitely yeah. definitely had a fair few runs. But like maybe it is all of it. And uh... my main memory of Survival yes. Geeks is that there is a bit where uh, one of the characters claims to have full sets of Magic the Gathering. Mm. Well, I think Warhammer Forty Thousand. Okay. And I think maybe Pokemon cards. Yeah. Okay. And like. Like just because it's it's one of these things where like the the situation was resolved by them like offering to play a game with the bad guy, mm. and he's like, oh, I've got full collections of these, and bull fucking shit, you do <laughs> full collections, complete sets of Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah. you're not living in a mansion. What are you talking but about? But even then, it's like you know, like full sets of like what a set of like Magic cards, like like. Are you saying all you have every magic card that's ever yeah. been printed, or are you saying are you one of those people that's like, oh, magic ended with this set, and like oh, I have maybe. like the first, but like it, it was just one of those things where it's like this is definitely going for a Big Bang Theory kind of thing. It's very Big Bang Theory. Where we're theory trying energy. to sound like we've got all the nerd cred, mm. but like the ways you're talking about it, I know that you don't. You well, don't know what you're is, talking about. The thing is, they are making comics for a toucan. They are terminal nerds. Yeah, but like maybe not in the areas. Maybe check your facts. Yeah, there's. A survival geeks thing that stuck in my mind was I read one of them and like there was a guy who like stayed up all night to make his cosplay for the convention the next day mm-hmm. and then he went but he had cosplayed as Adric from Doctor Who okay. and everyone in the panel at the conve- everybody in the panels was laughing and pointing and laughing at him because he was Adric and I was just like that's just that's not the experience maybe that was the experience in like the eighties yeah I guess but, like, so but I mean particularly you're going to a convention yeah for one thing the like the joke there would be. My, it was too much of a deep cut. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. Yeah. Or like everybody like didn't like Adric. Yeah. But, but like, but like, like we don't like like Adric's like a fucking scrappy or whatever. But yeah. like we're not gonna like point and laugh at someone. Like if someone is dressed like cosplaying as Adric, but like, oh it's Adric. Like you're not. You know, you're not or, universally like. Or like it was like a weird thing where everybody turned up as Adric. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if it was like a skewed thing where he was remembering it like the laughed at him or whatever but like it just read to me as like well like if that happened now people would be like oh that's that's adric yeah, like, that's, that's like it's, it's not like scrappy do isn't hated as much as scrappy do used to be hated mm-hmm. and like i know adric is the scrappy do of like doctor who but like i've seen i was gonna say i've seen good adric stories but that might be stretching it my point is that's my main memory of survival geeks and that is the tone of it i'll take it one tangent further mm-hmm. uh there was one time where i was at a con and like the closest thing to being pointed and laughed at for being Adric. This is the closest story I've got to that. I was at a con, and there was somebody there who looked, for all the world, like he'd come cosplaying as Colonel Sanders. Oh, yes. And I turned to him, and I said, Have you come as Colonel Sanders? And he very angrily went, No! And just walked away. No idea what he was supposed to be. (laughs) Tangent to a tangent, uh, my favourite con experience is when I went to a con, and I went to the bathroom to pee, and in the bathroom I met a a person... dressed completely as old man Joseph Joestar in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, it's, it's Joseph. And he, like, finger-gunned at me with his, like, white gloves. because he's Pistol over your shoes. Well, like, that's where the story should go for it to yeah. be funny. But, like, no, it was just, I just met Joseph in a bathroom and it was great. Okay. Let's talk about rankings. Uh, good issue. Not necessarily, like, an all-time favourite issue, but, like, there's a lot of good stuff here. I think it should have been better for what it is. Mm. But, again... This is just a bit of fun. Just a bit of fun. I'm going to do my rankings first. I don't know if that's my turn or not. I think not. I did them last time, yeah. yeah. Um, but number one, Judge Dredd. Yep. Got a lot of hope for this story. Like the story. Like the art. It's all good. It's all great. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, number two, I'm probably going to go with Feral and Foe because mm-hmm. I thought it was just generally pretty solid. Slap a lich. A little bit of a little bit of a quick read, as is often a problem. Uh, but we're we're getting towards the end of it, I think. You were and ill. It was nice. Yeah, it was a good thing. It wasn't harrowing. There were some jukes in it that were yeah. good. It's just jukes. Uh, what else? What's next? Should I put Thistlebone next because the art was so nice? I didn't really get that much from it, though. That's the thing. Yeah. I think it needed to be more meaty for an issue one, or like a strip one. Episode one. So I think th- number three, Enemy Earth. Mm-hmm. Even though I- Enemy Earth's making me sad now because they're rushing towards the finish. Yeah. But... You know, there there were beats. It did have um, it did have the prime minister punching the fuck out of Chinese Hitler, uh, punching the teeth out of him. Then Thistlebone looked great. Mm. I, I didn't necessarily engage with the storytelling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then finally, Devil's Railroad because Devil's Railroad it just makes me feel squicky. But it's trying to though. It is, but like it doesn't make it a more enjoyable experience. No, but it's it's not like it makes you feel squicky and it's somehow failing to that position. Like. Yeah, like I said, like I'm not saying it's not good. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it's not. I don't like it. I'm gonna say dread one. Yep. Lovely art, lots of panels. Hope for the future. I mean, I have hope for the future. I don't think there's gonna be hope for the future in dread, but like you know, I think that there will be, and then it'll be cruelly snatched away, utterly crushed. I think it's that. Then Devil's Railroad? Your second favourite story. It was so harrowing, though. Like, that, like, I'm not... I'm going to deny you pain kill anaesthetic whilst you're giving birth as a punishment. Like, and he, the, every time I see Isaac, I'm like, this fucking... He was not drawn to be this monstrous, like, in his first few appearances. Like, no, he was they much are, more a potato man. Yeah, like, they, they keep embellishing him, and, like, they aren't, like, the, the craft on those fingers. <laughs> My God. And then, like, the art of him holding the baby. Love it. And then we got to talk about Danny Dyer because of him. That's true. Um, so I'm going to say... That's da- always a victory. Always a victory. Danny Dyer and his daughter, Danny Dyer. Oh, it's a choice. I'm going to say Feral and Foe third. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, probably you'll be like, what? Because we, really cu- we didn't go into it super deeply in this. Look, it's at the back of the issue. We're tired. We're that. tired, but also like it's a, it's a fight. There's I'm still, jokes. I'm still recovering, really. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say it's Thistlebone because of the art. Because of the art and nothing else, really. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I feel like I'm being really harsh on it, but I, I was really excited for it being back. Yeah. And it isn't, it is back, but it's not really back, back. It's not back, as the young people might say. And then, Enemy Earth Last. Okay. It's just, it's good. I like it. Like you, I'm sad about it yeah. going, but it is quite a quick read. I feel morally wrong that I've put the Prime Minister punching out Hitler <laughs> as low as I have. Maybe one of those situations where I have to take that in isolation and give that like its own numbered slot, yeah. but um, I, that would elongate the podcast even further. Is it a lying cover? That is the question. Yeah. Uh, I think that... The, the, yes no. and no. Yes most no. of these characters, most, mind mm. you, appear in the story. Look um, at this evil woman. Yeah, that's where she's looking like Dawn French. Yeah. Um, we don't see a woman having been cut down from the tree, which is what the woman who's lying on the floor being like, oh, God, I've got to be hanged now. That's that's presumably what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so, like, questionable there. We don't see the fantastic 1970s man. Presumably he will come up in a later issue. Presumably, yeah. 
and we don't see the um, the sort of shadowy Puritan looking guy that's got the big cross. The other thing that I don't know if we've talked about much on it, is it a line But having cover? said that, we do see the woman who looks a bit like Don French and the women are hanged. And, and we see uh, Mr. Thistlebone as well. We do see Mr. Thistlebone himself. The, the thing is, we I don't know if we cover this a lot in an is it a line cover segment, but like this will absolutely be the trade cover. For, vo- oh, for book yeah, three. probably. So like it being like, here's all the things that are in the run. Yeah, like that's that's fine. That's if this was the poster for the film that is in the story. Yeah, I think it would be a pretty good poster. The director just puts himself in that poster for like. <laughs> I mean, he's a '70s film director. Like nothing's off the table. True. Don French, evil woman, like puts her like our own self in the poster from the future because she's a witch. <laughs> she's clearly a witch. Like I, I hope she's just like a lovely old woman. For the entire run, they keep cutting back to her, and she's like, "Oh, she's got to mention." But really she sad. just has that look. She has that look, and I'm like, "Oh, I don't trust her. <laughs> don't go into that room alone with her. Don't follow her advice. She's a witch. She's going to be all nice and like offer you tea and cakes, but she'll be the last stinger at the end. She'll be like cackling away, being like, it was me. I was the tree that hung them.' How likely do you think it is that she is a witch? Like, because I can't really remember what was going on with Thistlebone before, because... There was cults? There was definitely a cultist, and I think he was murdering people because of his cult beliefs and also his revenge for a thing that happened to him when he was a child. Scouts. There was a a big scout plot. I believe there was a scout abuse plot. Scout abuse. Gaia's revenge, right? Because, like, it's like a There was someone who was poisoned, Mm -hmm. but he might have just been poisoned. I don't know if it was, like, a a mystical poisoning. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know if... I don't know if magic exists. One of my favourite things about Toucad is trying to remember what the (laughs) fuck happened at certain points in their lives. I like it. I'm excited. It's yeah. it's, a, it's a good cover as well. It's not a line cover. The the woman who's all blood seems very contemplative. I'm just looking at her face there. She's just sort of staring off, being like, hmm, blood. <laughs> That's a thing. That's all I really got to say. It was a good issue. That was a good issue. I liked it. Jump on if you're jumping on because it's a new it's a new dread issue one. Basically. Yeah, and a big story yeah. apparently. And if you if you've missed it because it is many weeks now in the future, you can get it on the the app. You can just go back and get them for like two quid. We won't be doing that because we're kind of both technophobes, but, you know. Technophobes and elitists. Yeah. We've got our issue and it's stored away, it's slabbed. And I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. So, thank you for listening. Thank uh, you for listening. We are Progslog. We're Progslog. Thank you for following recently. Thank, thank you. Yep. I know we've got a lot of new followers. If you haven't followed, follow us. You owe us this. Yeah, we've given you like an hour and a half. Like, subscribe, ring the bell. There's um, no bells to ring. Follow, follow us on Patreon. Is that what you do on Patreon? Join our Pay cult. Pay money on Patreon. Join our cult. We'll be meeting in the woods by yeah. the hanging tree. <laughs> and uh, thanks to the usual people. Uh, the usual suspect. Producer David for doing a lot of the work to make this show. To uh, editor Callum for doing editing most of the work to make this show. Uh, to Jess Kate Art for producing the uh, Prog Slog logo and to the Colton Hove School of Psychic Defense for doing the Prog Slog jingle that you may indeed be listening to right now. Sometimes we fade it in. Yeah. I'd like to say join us in seven, but it might not actually be seven days until you hear the next one. But yeah. Join, join us in seven. seven. <laughs>